Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving weekend. And the diet starts next week. The diet starts Monday, so you have one more day to just gorge yourself. So just go for it today. And uh, yeah, diet starts Monday. So yeah, I have a, a few funny things for you this morning. Um, laughter is good medicine. It's actually in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, let's get them warmed up. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I love Levi. He's just got a laugh that makes everybody else laugh. He's just like, he, he, this is his words. He says, my laugh's like a sub pump. It's just like a, <laughs> and gets everybody else laughing. That's a good laugh when it makes everybody else laugh. It brings joy. Okay. So this, this joke is, uh, I got it off of uh, Brad Foudre's Facebook page. And I think he's at home watching. So if you don't like this joke, you can blame Brad. But if you do like it, you can just give me the credit. So this is, a, this is a meme he put up, and it's from a woman's perspective, and it says this. I'm beginning to think that my husband's not going to apologize for the way he acted in my dream last night. <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> How many of that's happened to you? Yeah, you're not raising your hand. They're like, I'm not, I'm not raising my hand on that one. What are you, nuts? That's happened to me, though. Okay, this one's a good one. This is similar to one I told a month ago, but a little different. Actually, I got this one from Tia. If you're arguing in public on your cell phone, please put it on speakerphone so I can figure out whose side I'm on. <laughs> That's a good one. That's just a common courtesy. Just be courteous to those around you. Just put it on speakerphone so we can take sides. Okay, I have one more. God appeared to a man while he was walking on the beach in California. He said, son... You have been so faithful that I want to give you one wish, anything that you want. The man thought about it and said, God, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly. So my wish is that you'd build me a bridge all the way to Hawaii. God said, son, that's not really a practical or sensible wish. Why don't you think carefully and ask again? The man thought about it and said, okay, God, I've been married four times and I really want to get married again and I really want to get this right. So my wish is that I would be able to understand women. I want to know why they think like they think and why they feel like they feel. After a long pause, God said, would you like one lane on that bridge or two? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's a compliment to the women. You are wonderfully complex and us men, we need help. We need help. God, help us. So, Father, I just thank you so much. God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that we can stand here today completely clean, completely righteous because of what you've done, Jesus. That it's not based on what we've done. It's based 100% on what you've done, Jesus. We thank you that we're loved. We thank you that you're never disappointed in us, Jesus. You're always excited about us. You're always happy to be with us, happy to see us. And God, we just pray that today that this um, message would have your anointing on it, that it would break the yokes of bondages in our heart. So we just pray that you just do some open heart surgery and just give us the truth that sets us free today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So today I'm going to talk about emotional health. <laughs> wow, we got some fans of emotional health. Emotional health, a very fun subject to tackle, especially this time of year. This time of year is, is hard for a lot of people. And uh, it's important to steward our own emotions. We need to steward, um, you know, part of just stewarding our lives well is stewarding what's going on with us emotionally. And especially, I, th I think for us men, that's something we don't really think about. <clears throat> I think women are, are better at kind of knowing what's happening with them emotionally. But I think especially men, we need to pay attention with, with what's happening to us emotionally. It's part of just stewarding our, ourselves and our heart well. So I want to read Hebrews 1.9. It says, you have loved righteousness. This is talking about Jesus. Paul is talking about Jesus. He says, you've loved righteousness and you've hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. In the Passion, it says, says it like this. I love this. You have cherished righteousness and detest detested lawlessness. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you and poured out the oil of bliss on you more than any of your friends. So Jesus was filled with the oil of gladness. He was filled with the oil of bliss above all his companions. Do you know what that means? That means Jesus was always the happiest person in the room, everywhere he went. If Jesus was here today, he'd be the happiest person in the room. So I think a lot of the TV shows and movies, you know, maybe well-intentioned, but I, I think they sometimes make Jesus too serious because I think he was always the happy, or I know he was always the happiest person in the room. Always the happiest person in the room. And how many know Jesus is the standard? He, he showed us what a powerful Christian life looks like. So he's the standard so we can be filled with the oil of joy and the oil of bliss. How many of you think that sounds good? Yeah. Amen. So Jesus was filled with the oil of gladness, and he is our example of a powerful Christian life. Now, we know that he wasn't filled with joy because his circumstances were always good. He wasn't filled with joy because people never gave him a hard time. He wasn't filled with joy because nobody ever said a bad word about him. So we know that he was filled with joy, with joy despite his circumstances. So you can be filled with joy regardless of what's happening in your circumstances. Amen? Don't let your circumstances dictate how you're going to be emotionally. You can be filled with joy regardless of what's going on in your life. It doesn't mean we ignore those things, but we can be emotionally healthy and stay in a place of emotional health regardless of what's happening around us. Your circumstances don't have to dictate how well you're doing. So the church should be known as the happiest people in the world. So in order to walk like Jesus did, we need to work on our emotional health. And we're going to talk about this. We probably don't talk about it enough, but I'm, I'm happy that we are a church that does talk about inner healing. We do talk about emotional health. So, so important. I think it needs to be talked about more in church. So I think we all understand that we're a, a triune being. You're a triune being. It means you're, you're three parts. You're, you, you have a body, but you also have a, a soul and a spirit. And each of those three parts, I think we understand that. That's not a new concept. We know that we're a triune being. But do you know that each of those parts have different needs? 
Each of those parts have very different needs. And so you need to be aware of the needs of your body, soul, and spirit. I think that we are more aware of the needs of our body because they're, they're more pressing. Like, oh, I'm hungry. I need to eat. It's a body need. Or I'm tired. I need to sleep. That's a body need. So we're, we're very aware of those. But I don't think we're aware so much about what's happening, what, the needs, uh, what needs our soul and spirit have. So let's talk about the overall needs that you have. So your body needs sleep, food, shelter. We talked about those. And we can go beyond survival. And you could say your body needs, you need to eat well. You need to exercise. Brush your teeth, please. Please brush your teeth, especially before you come to church. Physical touch is a, is a body need. It's actually a need that you have. Babies will die without physical touch. They actually figured this out in orphanages when the babies didn't get enough physical touch, they would just die. See, actually, that's an actual need that you have is physical touch. But your soul has different needs. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And one of the main needs that your soul has is connection. Connection. Connecting to people, connecting with people, connecting to your own heart. We're going to talk about that today. Adventure is another need that your soul has. You have a need for adventure. That's, that's not a bad need. If you feel that need for adventure, that's, that's a good need to meet, to meet in your life. And your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. I was reading last night where the little girl, Jesus came to heal the little girl and, and she had passed away. And in the, I was reading in the Passion Translation, it says when Jesus prayed for her, her spirit came back into her body. So it's just a reminder, like, you know, her body was separate from her spirit, which is also separate from her soul. So the spirit is the part of you that connects with God. Your spirit has needs. It has a need to worship. Your spirit actually has a need to worship. It has a need for communion with God. It has a need for hope. It has a need for intimacy with God. And it has a deep need for truth. Your spirit has a deep need for truth. So when even when you're sharing Jesus with someone, you're actually sharing truth. There's something in there, whether they know it or not, whether they resist it or not, or they have a deep need for what you're sharing with them, what, what you're carrying. Your spirit has a deep need for truth. So t- sometimes we can tend to our physical needs, but we neglect our soul and our spirit needs. Or sometimes, and I've done this, I've, I've realized I've done this many times, but sometimes we have a soul need that's crying out and we try to meet a soul need with a physical need. So we're like, our, our emotions are, we're not doing well emotionally. And I'm like, I just need a massage. I just need to go on a vacation. I just need... To get some, <laughs> I, need, I need to eat some pie. <laughs> I know busyness is a, was a, is a big one for me. Like, oh, I'm just going to make myself busy. And I've got this emotional need that's crying out, but I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself busy. So we can try to fulfill a soul need, an emotional need, with a physical need. And it, it's, it's more familiar to us. I think we, we kind of know... Okay, maybe I need to eat, maybe I need to sleep, you know, and we can use these physical things to try to fulfill a, a soul need, but it doesn't work. And by the way, those, those needs are all great, you know, exercise, massage, food, vacation, those things are all good, but they don't help us meet our soul or spirit needs. So I, I think that we're good at tending to the physical needs, but we need help 
with tending to our emotional needs. So today I want to touch on um, some of the soul needs that we have. And I want to first talk about connection. I want to talk about connection today. So connection is a really important emotional need. Connection is a really important emotional need. Webster's Dictionary describes connection as this, a strong bond to something or someone. So today, as a a society, we're more connected to the world than we've ever been. We can be connected with people all over the world and in different countries, and we can be connected to thousands of people just through Facebook, just through Instagram. But think about our, our ancestors. They had far less ability to connect with the world, but statistics today tell us that we're more lonely than our ancestors were by far. Like we're way more lonely as a culture than our ancestors were. The general social uh, survey found that the number of Americans with no close friends has tripled since 1985. So zero is the most common number of confidants reported by almost a quarter of those surveyed. So a quarter of the people they surveyed says, I have zero, like, real confidants, like, real friends, like, real relationship. And the average number of confidants Americans feel like they can talk to about important matters has fallen from three to two. So and I'm, I'm not against social media. In fact, uh, we're streaming on social media today. I think social media can be a good tool I think that um, those things can be powerful tools, but it's, uh, it's absolutely, or it absolutely can be a type of false connection where we feel like we're connected, but we're not really connected. It can be a type of false connection. Pornography is also a type of false connection and false intimacy. And one of the reasons that pornography is so harmful is that it keeps us from real connection and real intimacy. So many pastors burn burn out because they're connected. They're connected. They got thousands of friends on Facebook. They got thousands of hearts on Instagram. But they don't have any real deep relationships. They don't have people that they really have real connection with. So, so how can you know if, if you're really connected, if you actually have real deep connected relationships? You can't tell by the number of Facebook friends you have. You can't tell by the number of Instagram followers you have. So how can you tell? Here's one way you can tell. When you go through something really painful, who can you, who can you call? Whose house can you just show up at and cry on their shoulder? Whose office can you go to and say, I'm, I'm struggling. I need to talk to somebody. Because sometimes it's disappointing I've been there. I've been in a place where I feel like I'm connected to a bunch of people. But then when things are really hard in my life, I realize, wow, I don't really have a ton of deep, deep connected relationships. That's how you know. Who can you actually really open up to? So today in our society, anxiety depression, social anxiety, they're just skyrocketing. They're, they're through the roof today. So point number one today is a connection with people is essential to emotional health. Connection with people is essential to emotional health. So what are we doing to foster real connection with people? This is something that we need to be intentional about. 
It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just automatically. We have to be intentional about fostering real connection, real relationship with people. And I know speaking as a man, I know sometimes it's hard to open up and be real with people. And I've had to force myself to do it. I went through a season where I was like, I, everything in me does not want to do this, but I have to force myself to do this. And it gets easier. It gets easier after, after you open up because we all have fear of rejection. We all have fear of, of, of like, well, will people really love me if I really show my full heart. And so what I found in my life is when I showed my real heart, when I opened up to, to other people in my life, um, it actually broke a lie in my life that if I was real with people, they wouldn't really love me. So we all need connection with people. It's, it's essential to emotional health. Let me tell you a story. I, I did Uber about five years ago. I did it to supplement income when we were starting this church and getting this church going. It didn't work, <clears throat> but that was the idea. That was the hope is that it would supplement income. Um, but there were some really interesting things that happened. I got to witness to a ton of people. Um, but one story that I'll never forget is there was a lady I was given a ride to, a young woman. She's probably about 25. And I was, I was giving her a ride, and we were driving about 15 minutes uh, to a grocery store. And it was to a Fry's grocery store, so it wasn't like a special grocery store. And we were passing out all these other grocery stores on the way to get there. And I was just thinking, like, why, why does she want to go to this particular Fry's? I was like, okay, well. But, and she talked the whole time. And she, she sat in the back. Most, most passengers will sit in the back. She sat in the back. And she talked to me the whole time. So I just kind of look up in the rearview mirror and just kind of have a conversation. And when we were almost at the end of the ride, she said, um, she said, I used to, uh, or she said, when I'm, I have extreme social anxiety. So she said, if, if I'm actually sitting face to face with someone, I actually um, can't even speak. I can't speak if I'm face to face with someone because of my social anxiety. And she said, I took an Uber ride once and I realized that if I wasn't face-to-face -face with someone, I could actually have a conversation. And so she said, now I take Uber rides just so I can have conversations. How deep is the need for connection? Deep, deep need of connection. She would pay money to get in an Uber and drive far away <laughs> just so she could have a conversation with someone. So one of the reasons that we have revival groups is that it creates an environment where real connection can happen. By the way, revival group leaders, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to foster a place where real connection can happen. When we first started this church, we had a home group uh, with Joy, myself, Tina Davis, Angela, Diane, Alicia, and I think there are a couple other people. But there was a time where we all really bonded in that group and we actually grew real connection and real relationship with each other. It wasn't uncommon to, to sometimes be there till one in the morning and crying on each other's shoulders and praying over each other. And we actually grew deep connection in those groups, in that, in that group. How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? How many, when you came back from that trip, you were much more bonded to the people you went with than you were before? Yeah. Trauma bonded. <laughs> Sometimes it might be trauma bonded. Well, you almost killed me in India. I, I thought, you know, of all the ways I could have died in India, Angela hits me in the neck with a cricket ball and almost kills me. I had not considered that would be one of the ways I might die. <laughs> so at the last day, yeah, I was like, so anyway, thank you. 
Study after study after study um, show that people who have strong, connected relationships actually are healthier and live longer. Actually live longer. Pe married people live longer than single people. So you are meant to connect. You're meant to connect with God. You're meant to connect with people. And you're meant to connect with yourself. That's one that might sound like, huh? What does that mean? We're going to talk about that today. You're meant to connect with yourself. So what are we doing to foster our, our connection with God? What are we doing to foster our connection with other people? What are we doing to foster connection with ourselves, with our own heart? So that's point number two. We need to connect to our own heart. This is about connecting to yourself. We need to connect to our own heart. Part of self-awareness is being aware of what's going on inside you. Part of self-awareness is being aware of what's happening right here inside of you in your own heart. It's so important to identify the emotions that we're experiencing and don't try to numb negative emotions, but address them. We need to identify the negative emotions that we're experiencing and don't try to numb them, but actually address them. Okay, this is not easy, but we need to let ourselves feel the hard emotions. That's why we need real connection with people because then we have people to process our emotions with. Instead of running to Netflix, instead of running to the pie, instead of running to our favorite, favorite numbing agent, we actually, what we really need is connection. What we really need is to face our own pain, what we're experiencing in, instead of trying to numb. You can't numb pain without numbing joy. You can't numb pain without numbing joy. If you numb one emotion, you're numbing all of them. About four years ago, my grandma uh, passed away, my, my dad's mom. And I didn't really feel anything when it happened. And this is strange because she was like, we were close. She was like a second mom to me. Um, she's maybe one of the reasons that I'm a Christian today. She was just one of the Christian examples that I, I seen that she, she loved me unconditionally. I knew, I knew a couple things about grandma. She loved Jesus with all her heart and she loved me unconditionally. And so she passed away and I just kind of like didn't really feel any pain and I just kind of skipped right over it. And a couple months later, I just noticed like my joy meter was like really low. I just noticed like, man, I'm not experiencing a lot of joy and I'm a pastor, I'm preaching and I'm like, but I'm not experiencing joy myself. And so I started, I had like a mini, <clears throat> I don't know if it was a, a nervous breakdown, but it's the closest thing I've ever had to one. And um, I just kind of had this crisis where I knew something was, was majorly wrong with me. And so I started going to the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, what is wrong with me? Something's, something's not right. And he started to speak to me and he said, Daniel, you hold everybody um, at bay, like to a certain point. Like you'll let people in, but you have a certain point to where you'll be like, okay, that's far enough. And you do that with everybody, including your wife. And so nobody really knew me because it didn't allow anybody to know the deep, deep parts of me because I would, I would hold everybody at bay as a, as a self-protection. 
And so the Lord started speaking to me about that. And I had to go through this process where I would let people in, where I would, where I would actually talk about what I was feeling. I would actually, the, the first thing for me was actually identified, identifying what I was even feeling. Because I think for a lot of us men, again, I think we don't even really know what we're feeling. I think we've, we're like, well, I feel bad. But we need to actually identify the emotion. Like, what is this? Is this sadness? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? So a big part of the process for me was actually starting to identify and feel my emotions and connect to my own heart. I didn't even really know what was going on with me because I would never connect to my heart to find out. So a starting point for me was just discerning, okay, what emotion am I actually feeling right now? So men, especially men, this is a good starting point. Like to actually ask yourself when you're feeling bad, when you're ex experiencing heavy emotions, to actually stop and say, what emotion am I actually feeling right now? Is it fear, sadness? And sometimes you need to cry before you can laugh. Emotional health looks like feeling your negative emotions and processing them with God. Process them with God, process them with people, and process with your own heart. Process with your own heart. Lastly, number three, emotional health looks like working through pain and forgiveness. Emotional health looks like working through pain and forgiveness. So, and for this point, you can just go and listen to Joy's message last week and, and we're done. Let's pray. <laughs> working through, no, seriously, that was a great, such a great message. But we need a process to work through pain. How many know like process is good? Like we have process for everything. We have processes for everything, right? But how many have a plan to work through pain? Like, yeah. Yeah, we need to have a plan to work through pain. Otherwise, it can just hang around. And we notice our joy meter going down and down and down and down. Because we have not processed our pain. And maybe we've numbed our pain. And we start to feel numb across the board in all our emotions. By the way, just to, to share the end of that story, God started to process that with me, with, with uh, what, what I was going, going on with uh, in my heart. And I really started to open up to my wife. I really started to open up to like a few other men in my life. And I actually had a moment where I just like um, wept for my grandma. And it was like three months later. And it was a, it was a huge breakthrough. I was like, whoa, I, I, I skipped that. And, I, and God brought it back to me and, and let me process that. And it's, it's actually healthy. How I many know it's healthy to mourn? So we need a process for working through pain. So I'm going to give you a process for working through pain. Number one, I got this actually from Jason Valentin. He, he has a, a whole course about emotional health, and he talks about working through pain. So here's the process <clears throat> that he talks about of working through pain. Number one, acknowledge that you have pain. Number one, acknowledge you have pain. Yep, I have pain. This hurts. Often we skip that. We like start to feel the pain. And we check out. 
but actually we just need to acknowledge it. Yep, I'm in pain. Number two, face the pain. Face the pain. This is doing the hard thing because the easy thing is to check out, but it has horrible consequences. The hard thing is you have to face the pain. Jason Valentin talks about he, he was in a place in his life where he, I think he was 25 and he had three kids and his wife um, came to him and asked for a divorce and he was just devastated. He, like, he said he didn't see it coming and he said he, when he, the day he realized, okay, this is, this is final, like I'm getting a divorce. There's nothing I can do to, to change it. He said he realized he had two choices and they both sucked. <laughs> He says, one choice is I could check out. I could numb my pain. He said, or the other choice is I could, fa- I could face my pain. And he's like, and they both are hard. They're both hard. But he said, he realized, I have to roll up my sleeves and face my pain and process through this. So number one, acknowledge that you have pain. Number two, face the pain. Number three, this is one I want to get better at. Vent the frustration that you have so you can get to the real questions that God needs to answer. I think sometimes as Christians, we're like, well, I can't vent. I can't like have an emotional like reaction. That's like not Christian, right? But venting, I think, is actually healthy. Now, I'm not saying go to the person that you feel like hurt, hurt you and just vent to them. That may not be wise. But you should have somebody or a journal or some way that you can vent and actually just get the frustration out and be like, hey, that hurt. Why did this happen? Like, that's, that was unfair. Like, and let those frustrations out. Sometimes you have to empty out those frustrations. It's like, it's like you have this jar and there's all this frustration on top and, and at the bottom of the jar is the real questions. And so you're like pulling out those like frustrations to get to the real questions. Vent the frustration so that you can get to the real questions that God needs to answer. By the way, the venting, it's not, it's not where you want to stay. It's just, it's just a part of the process. Like, I'm not going to live a life of venting. But if I'm experiencing pain, that's going to be part of my process to get out of my pain. Number four, let God answer your deep questions. Get to the deep questions. Number five, forgive the pain. Or I'm sorry, forgive and release judgment. Forgive and release judgment. The beauty of facing your pain is this. Matthew 5, 4 says this. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. When I was going through that hard time a few years ago, the Lord told me, he said, Daniel, you're not mourning. And if you don't allow yourself to mourn, you're not allowing yourself to be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. If you don't mourn, if you don't allow yourself to mourn, you're not allowing yourself to be comforted. So here's the really really good news. If you face your pain, the end result is comfort. The end result is comfort. Facing your pain could look like journaling when you're really upset and let it all out. Be authentic with where you're at. That's what venting is about. 
It's like, again, we're not going to live a life of venting, but I, I want to be authentic with, with how I'm feeling and let the, that frustration out. Be authentic with where you're at. There's something about just being authentic with your own heart that brings healing. Like we actually just acknowledge like, hey, that hurt. That, that was not good. It's not where you want to stay, but it's just where you're at. It could look like venting to a friend. And side note, when people are venting to you and getting things off their chest, please don't try to fix them in that moment. Just hear their heart, hear their pain. Realize the venting is part of their process. If they're in deep pain and they're just venting. Like it's, it's different if you had a person, a friend that's always venting. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to talk about this. Seems like you're always venting. But if you have a friend who just like, they're just venting because they're in a lot of pain, like let them vent. This is part of their process to like get this off their chest. Let them be unchristian for a second. Because <laughs> we can go into like, well, that's not good. They shouldn't be feeling that emotion. And we're actually, when, when, by the way, because I've had that reaction. When you have that reaction, that means you're probably not totally connected to your own heart. Because you, when you're feeling that, yourself, you're feeling those frustrations yourself. You're like, well, I can't feel that. And so that's just kind of coming up when you're, someone else is venting and you're like, oh, they shouldn't be feeling that. So after you vent, you get to the real questions. These are the deep questions underneath all the pain. So in taking those frustrations out of the jar, when you get to the deep questions, these are the questions. God, am I really loved? Am I going to receive love? Am I worthy of love? Am I worthy of having great trusted relationships? Am I a good person? Am I a good husband? Am I a good wife? And these are the questions that God wants you to ask him so that he can bring the truth that sets you free. These are the questions, God, you need to get to in your process of pain so that God can speak truth to those questions that set you free. So again, number one, acknowledge the pain that you have. Acknowledge that you have pain. Face the pain, number two. Number three, vent the frustration so you can get to the real questions that God needs to answer. Number four, let God answer your deep questions. And I'll park there for just a second. When God answers your deep questions, it brings the grace to do number five, which is forgive. It brings the grace to forgive people. You can't forgive without, you can't skip all those other steps and forgive people. You can say the words, but you'll still be carrying that pain because you haven't went through process. Don't skip process. Forgive and release judgment. God gives you the grace. When he addresses that pain in your heart, then he gives you the grace to forgive. Children are actually great at this, by the way. I realized this last night. I was like, you know, Evan had a moment where he was just crying. He's like, mom, you didn't hear me. I was crying in my room. You didn't hear me. And he's just crying. And we're like, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry you didn't hear. We love you. And just held him for a minute. It's like, yeah, we love you. You're such a good boy. And then like all the emotions. Why didn't you hear me? You know, he's venting. <laughs> he's like, he's grieving, 
right? Easter, they start with grieving. If they're feeling emotional pain or if they're feeling physical pain, they, they know how to grieve. They're good at it. They're good at grieving. And then he's venting. Why didn't you hear me? I was calling. You didn't hear me. He's venting. I'm so sorry. What is, what's the real question in his heart? Am I loved? Do you guys hear me? Yes, you're loved. We love you. You're such a good boy. So proud of you. And then like in what? Five minutes, he's, he's back to normal. He's totally fine. He just went through that whole process in five minutes. <laughs> so, but children are a great example for us in this. We need to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. And so there's the process right there. If you, if you have this process with your, with your child, and, and number five, sometimes they need to forgive their sibling or whoever. And so like we walk them through that process. And we know how to do this with our kids, but we need to take that same principle that we walk our kids through and apply it to ourselves. God cares about your emotions. You need to start actually just figuring out what's going on with you emotionally. God wants us to live in emotional health. Jesus is our standard, and we can walk in joy like he did. Would you, would you stand to your feet this morning? I know this is, this is kind of a harder message for me to preach. <laughs> I'd much rather just like pull out like Acts chapter 3. We're just going to read through. We're gonna, like, and I love that. You know, God obviously... He loves that too, but sometimes we need to we need to talk about something different. Emotional health is a good topic. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray that you're helping us um, process our pain. We just help uh, pray that you're just helping us and giving us the grace to face our pain. And to we just pray that you're giving us the strength not to turn to our numbing agents, but to actually face our pain and process it with you. And we just thank you for the grace. We thank you for the healing. We thank you for your word that says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Give us the grace to do this so that we can live whole and healthy lives, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.